welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Charlie. And we're two 20-somethings rereading our favourite childhood book with added alcohol and cynicism. In today's episode, we're reading chapter 32 of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. So grab a glass and listen along on this drunken, reminiscent journey. a quick note from editing Hannah here to say that if you are listening to this episode on the day it is released i.e. Monday the 1st of November then congratulations it is Harry Baby Doorstop Day i.e. the day that Harry Potter would have become a frozen block of ice on top of the doorstep number four Privet Drive and then been punted across the lawn by Art Petunia you are welcome hiya hi we're back where did we go we went to Albania this is the first episode after Albania oh okay we're back in the UK (laughs) Charlie's hungover and tired. I'm so tired. And she was so looking forward. She kept texting me about like, oh, we've got a full Saturday to record. And it is 7.30. We've only just started recording. Yes. We're about to stop because food is literally almost here. It's Neil's fault that I'm hungover. Right. How is it Neil's fault? Because I wouldn't have drunk absinthe alone. (laughs) You still made the decision to drink absinthe, which still makes it your fault. But I wouldn't have done that had Neil not been there. Anyway, Charlie's hung over and we've spent the afternoon... I've given her a haircut and what I've done is I've cut it into the exact same haircut I've got at the moment. So if you guys are like finally at this place after listening to the beginning of the episode where we were like, oh, you can tell us upon Instagram because Hannah's got a pixie cut. No, what I've done is given us the same haircut. Yeah, but although you say that like as if because you just cut my... I've had the same haircut for the past many million, like over five years. You're the one that cut your hair to how I have it. Well, no, what happened is I grew it into the lengths you have it, liked and then, that, and then stayed at that length. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the same style with the fringe and everything. I mean, I cut pl- the fringe. I, you knew I wanted the fringe straight away. You could have away. got a different fringe. I have got a different fringe. Mine is a blunt fringe. Yours is a graduated fringe because I just that's cut yours no, in. That's not a visible difference. It is. It's barely. I mean, you could have got a side fringe or like Ew, who has a bangs? side fringe Emos. in this day and age? Wow, someone right now is crying into their side fringe. <laughs> I've just been watching New Girl and they're just getting to the year it's set in where Jess has pushed her full fringe into a side fringe, but it's like her parting's still like here and the side fringe is here and I'm like, oh, the mid-2000s, please stop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's how you are physically. How are you doing? How is life? Much the same. Good, I think. Good. I feel like nothing interesting ever happens. We literally went to a different country together. Did we? Yeah, it was a month ago now, so... Yeah, can we go again? I need a holiday again. Yeah, same. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm I'm just... Yeah, I'm just in a very tired, tired mood. Did you enjoy your Friday night that you spent in editing the podcast whilst me and Neil were out drinking? No, I didn't. So, yeah, last (laughs) night I spent the entire evening in editing the previous episode you guys are listening to, the Albania episode, while Charlie, Neil and a load of other friends were out. And Charlie was just sending me, like, blow-by-blows of the evening every hour or so. And I was like, this is so great for me. I love my life right now. To give them some credit, I didn't just, like, they didn't just leave me at home because I had to edit. (laughs) They were going to a gig of an artist I don't listen to. But still. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Oh, maybe I should just start coming to the pre-meals before gigs you guys go to. Like, just be that cool person who's like, I'm off now. Bye. I mean, it was really good pizza. If anyone wants a good, weird pizza experience and you live in London or visit London, there's a place in Camden called Lost Boys Pizza and it's, like, all themed, like, Lost Boys, the 80s vampire film. So it's very, like, goth. All they play is, like, emo music and pop punk. It's a good time. Recommend. Cool. Would you like to do some shout outs? If we must. Yeah, no, we started a tradition and now we have to uphold it. Good. Great. Good. So a supercalifragilisticexpialidocious thank you to Stephanie. An abattoir size thank you to Abby, who has goats. Abby messages saying she listens to our podcast whilst milking goats. Can you send us a goat, please? No, can you send us a video of the goats? I love goats. Can you mail us an actual goat? Goat. I I'm missing ghost. <laughs> the ghost of a goat. Can you just like jar it and send it to Hannah? I will just, you know what? I will put Hannah's address on our Instagram no, story so that. that you can send her the ghost of the goat. Oh God, I just love goats. Abby, yeah. Abby just messaged us being like, oh, I used to listen to the audiobooks whilst milking the goats. And now I listened and her profile picture was a picture of a guy. Amazed. Thank you, Abby. Does anyone else milk anything whilst, <laughs> wait, <laughs> No. Actually, we have had multiple messages from breastfeeding ladies that they listen to our podcast whilst breastfeeding. There's so much milking going on right now. Although I am worried about subliminally what we're doing to their children. Literally, we've had, I think, like almost 10 messages from people saying, I listen to your podcast whilst breastfeeding my child. And I'm like, I'm worried about these children that are being raised on our voices. So very worried. But also, (laughs) like... Drop us a tweet if right now you are milking something, be it yourself or, <laughs> or an a animal. Goat, or uh, a cow. Just let us know if you're milking something right now. If you just have been <laughs> listening to this, milking something, and then we're talking about milking, you're like, what a weird coincidence. Here we are. <laughs> a magnifique thank you to Mark. An Olympics I thank you to Oliver. What's a peritoneum? <laughs> it's something in the downstairs region, it, isn't it? That is something. What is it? Is it the bit that holds your vagina in your bum? Is it the bit of skin? I think it is, yeah. One of those. <laughs> Thank you to Pernil. It's going to be so funny if we're both wrong. <laughs> it's like something totally normal. Yeah. Wait, should I Google it? No, it's funnier if we get tweeted. <laughs> I'm going to Google it in the edit. <laughs> yep. Aw, past Hannah and Charlie were so close and yet so far. The peritoneum, according to Google, is the tissue that lines your abdominal wall and covers most of the organs in your abdomen. Don't know why I know that word, probably something to do with Grey's Anatomy. The word I was thinking of, which is the bit of skin between the vagina and your bum, is the perineum. Very similar word. A Ronald McDonald size thank you to Risky. An anthology size thank you to Anthony. A Henry Hoover size thank you to Henrik. Is it Henrique? Henrique? I don't know. Is that all Henrik? <laughs> Henrik. An alligator size thank you to Abby. A swivel chair size thank you to Swanendu, who has upgraded and also we pronounce her name incorrectly the first time, so... There you go. Thank you. Now, we do have a review to read out as a thank you today, but it's not really a thank you. (laughs) Actually, no, it is a thank you because I felt complimented. And it's not really a review either. It's actually the first time that we're reading out a tweet. Someone set up a Twitter account the day they tweeted this and they only follow one Mm -hmm. person and it's us. And they've never tweeted in their life apart from this tweet. Which reads... 
I listened to this to hear you talk about Harry Potter. I don't give a shit what you think about politics or current events, so maybe don't talk about that so much. Thank you, Sam. Sam We're just going to completely ignore that. Because Harry Potter is inherently political. There are, and also there are many podcasts that just talk about Harry Potter. Or you could listen to the audio Yes. This also feels like, tell me you're a conservative without telling me you're a conservative. Because it's not that they're like, oh, can you please go on less personal tangents or whatever. It's specifically like the politics and world events that they take an issue with, which clearly means that they don't agree with our political opinions, which is fine. It does make you a Tory cunt, but like (laughs) each to their own. This is up there with the time that we got a message. Actually, let me read that out. This one was sorry for just reading out our hate comments, guys. This one just made us both bonus episode. We read read out our our hate hate mail. This is actually the only things that we've ever gotten hate about this one just made me laugh because they set up a twitter to do this like yeah. they did not own a twitter they have which makes me think it's someone both of us somewhat know or uh, are no i think of. that you're just really paranoid it's probably just someone that doesn't do social media but yeah. just felt that passionate i just the, the fact that they clearly think that just for one person bear in mind that all of our positive feedback is around the fact that we do talk about these things that they genuinely think that we're going to care that much about this one person that we just completely changed the entire concept of our podcast oh, thank you, like Sam. it is built into the concept of our podcast another tweet that we well actually this was a dm on twitter that we got once one time says in the whole range of things you wanted donald trump killed should be kept to yourself you horrible people <gasps> you've never told me that one no i have i don't remember you telling me that. i definitely have because it's even my header on my private twitter <laughs> i've never seen that that's your <laughs> header yeah <laughs> <laughs> i love being a horrible person also i stand by it i really really genuinely wish donald trump dead I mean, yeah, he's not president anymore, but I still just go die or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But yeah, thank you for your hate comments. All you're doing is just like, you know, pushing us up in the algorithm and search terms. So like, yeah. thanks. Keep up the hate comments. Uh, <coughs> we do actually take on board constructive criticism. If you want to send us that, that's fine. We do actually listen to that and have changed things about but, the podcast based on that. <laughs> but we also will cry for six hours before being <laughs> when like... When someone was like, you spent way too long reading out reviews and we were like we shall do one review thank you for your review <laughs> yes but we did cry for six, six hours. hours about it <laughs> <laughs> but we will take it on board now what are we drinking today what are we drinking today today we are drinking a producer level patron requested alcohol so this comes from Layla, one of our new producer level patrons and she requested a screwdriver had to google what a screw screwdriver is a, wh- Ta- uh, what a screwdriver screwdriver turns out it's just a vodka orange like a vodka yeah. and orange juice did you know that's what a screwdriver was? I think vaguely I knew. I had no idea. But yeah, it's just vodka and orange juice. So that's what we've got. It's good. You made the first one very strong. Yes. Let's go. Let's discuss Harry Potter. Chapter 32, Out of the Fire. It really irritates me that this chapter is called Out of the Fire and the next chapter isn't called like Into the Frying Pan. Yeah. It like, don't use half a phrase to title your chapter. Like I get that he's coming out of the fireplace, but like, shut up. <laughs> just like... It irrationally annoyed me. This is by far the worst thing that J.K. Rowling has ever done. Exactly. So Harry is 
being pulled out. Harry like wakes up to being pulled out of the exam by Professor Tofty. And then I got really upset <laughs> almost immediately. This is going to be the theme for the next few chapters. Because for one of the first times that I can remember in all of the books, everything that Harry has ever done, he immediately runs to tell a trusted adult what has happened. And what happens? There is no trusted adults he feels he can tell. Like the first thing he thinks is hospital wing McGonagall. I'm going to tell her what's happened. And McGonagall's been taken to St. Mungo's. And he is left standing there being like, there is no one I trust at Hogwarts. There is no one I can tell. And it's so sad because like it has taken Harry so long to realise he should tell adults things. And now he's got no one to tell. I'm, it makes me quite sad that he doesn't trust the lesbian thruple. No, but they're not in the order. He needs to tell someone in the order. No, but I feel like they'd still have the the link up, you know. And I feel like there there's like there must be like the order and then like the order adjacent. Well, this is the thing. Sprout is definitely in the order. She just like maybe isn't in the central bit that comes to the exactly. meeting. Like there must be loads of them. I know, but I guess if Harry doesn't know that they are like. I guess, but they How still, many they're going to be like, they're going to know, there's still an adult that would know what to do more than fucking Harry would. Not if they don't know that Sirius Black isn't a mass murderer. I guess, but he didn't, he didn't, like, it. it's completely irrelevant that it's Sirius. He could just be like, yo, Foldy's got someone again. I don't know. He's got my bro. He's got my bro, my Peter bestie, my dad Dinklage. figure. <laughs> what? There's this really sweet I could think of. Sure. There's this really sweet line about Harry um, always expecting McGonagall to be there. It's something like, like, however, like irritable and strict, she would always be at Hogwarts, and it's really heartbreaking because he's never like said this about McGonagall, but he's just it's one of those moments where you realise like, oh shit, that thing that I thought I could rely on isn't there. And also, we as the reader have no idea how McGonagall is doing. Neither is Harry. She could be dead for all we know. She could be dead. Yeah. But it's also like, Harry, you dumb bitch, please remember that Snape exists. No, but he's in a panic. He said his brain is in a complete fog. Like, I would totally not remember this kind of thing. But uh, you're a dumb bitch. So are you. I know. In a full panic, you wouldn't remember this either. I would remember that Snape exists. I would. Okay. I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to take one of your relatives captive. So Harry runs off to find... Ron Hermione, because who else is he going to turn to? He manages to track them down, pulls them into a classroom and tells them what he saw. And they, and then he's immediately like, how are we going to get there? How are we going to get to London? And Hermione has to be like, okay, whoa. And it's quite clear she doesn't believe the vision she saw. She asked how Voldemort would have gone into the ministry because it's 5pm. Mm. And like, which is I, a really good point. And I just wonder why Voldemort, what see, like... See, is a good point but on the other hand it's Voldemort he's one of the most powerful wizards in the world like if he wanted to get into the ministry at 5pm I fully do believe he could do it I, I do like I disagree especially like not when he's lying low and he would have to like take on the entire ministry if it's in work hours he would literally have to like kill everyone in the ministry just to get in there like there's but, no like, way for all, for all- Hogwarts knows because there isn't an immediate news system like the ministry could be under like a coup or a siege at the moment but in that case like what's Harry gonna do but he doesn't know (laughs) no like I think it's a really good point from Hermione like it makes absolutely no sense but I just don't get why Voldemort wouldn't have thought this through more to make it like you know, he should have staged it in the middle of the night when it was more convincing, not but at fucking 5pm. But this is that whole thing of, was Voldemort planting this memory at this specific time or was he just waiting till Harry's mind was at his weakest? Yeah, I guess. 
So Ron is kind of, so you've got Hermione on one side being like, I don't believe this is real. Harry is like, let's go to London right now. And Ron is kind of swayed and in the middle, which is like Mm. actually how they often play the trio in the last three books. I feel like, like they often have Ron as the middle ground and Harry and Hermione on opposite sides. I don't know. They play it in different ways, but I do feel like that's quite a common theme. Ron is really swayed because obviously Harry's vision about his dad was real. So Ron is like, yeah, no, I do think this could be real, but, you know, let's be reasonable about this. And it's really, actually, I found it really interesting seeing all their reasoning and logics behind whether they should go to the ministry, who they're going to believe, what they're going to do, because I feel like it's been building for the last five books. Like, Harry jumps into things without thinking about it. We know from book four he just saved things. Hermione relies on reason and logic, even if it means waiting too long and things like that. Mm. Ron is quite emotional. He believes Harry because of his dad, but he's listening to what Hermione has to say. And I feel like these, like, things have been building for a long time of, like, how, how basically how they respond to, like, something terrible happening and to trauma. Yeah. Hermione says that Harry has got a saving people thing, which she's not wrong. It's like... like, also, like, Harry has spent his whole life in mortal peril and in, like, super dangerous situations. So, like, duh. And also, like, he's literally got dead parents that I'm sure he would have loved to save. But it's like, yeah, like, she's not wrong. She's very right. But it's also, like... I just feel like it's such a dickish thing to point out. And I understand why she's trying to point it out, you know, for the greater good. But, like, I'm just like, oh, that's such a, like, a, he's repeatedly saved your life. He's got exactly. dead parents. Exactly. And you're really criticising his saving people thing. And, and also, for the last like, four years, he's been put in a situation where he's come near to death. Like, no wonder he has a saving people thing. He's saved your guys' asses more and than also, like. Would you like him to stop? Yeah. (laughs) And like, also, surely everyone has a saving people thing. It's just that most people don't get put in a situation where they can save people. Literally, the most outrageous one is, fair enough, she brings up Gabrielle Delacour, which Harry was an idiot. But then she's like, you went and saved Ginny. And it's like... Isn't Ginny your best friend? Like, and, and then he what turns. Was he to, supposed to be like? No, it turns. Nah. To, he turns. Harry turns to Ron and he's like, "I don't see you complaining when it was your sister." And Ron's like, "I wasn't. Please yeah. leave me out of this." Like, <laughs> what? If you were walking down the road and you saw someone about to get hit by a car and you could stop it, would you just be like, "I just, I don't have a saving people thing, so I'm just gonna let that happen." No. It's just that normal people don't get put in that situation often. Yeah, and the thing is, like. Hermione is right at the core that they need to find a way to check whether Sirius has left Grimmauld Place. Mm. But, like, I don't know the way she goes about it. Like, she's just trying to talk Harry down, but I'm like, dude, come on. But at the end of the day, by checking whether Sirius is really there, do they almost put themselves in more danger than just going straight to the ministry? Like, no. Yes and no. What do you mean? Like, Okay, if they had gone to the ministry straight away, if they had found a way to get to the ministry, as soon as Harry saw this vision, it still would have been full of workers and they probably would have been, like, stopped by someone and, like, helped. But, like, the, it de- depends the delay like, in them going almost allows it so the Death Eaters are there. But it still would have taken them a few hours, so I feel like it would have been empty, especially... Is, isn't this on a Friday or did I imagine a, that? Yeah, it's probably a Friday. So if it's 5pm now, it's going to take them a few hours even if they set off immediately. So it probably would be, like, empty or empty-ish, but it would mean that they wouldn't have tipped off Snape, so the order wouldn't have come. But I feel like 
Okay, it might, it takes them a few hours because they're underage prisoners, but let's just say they know someone who can flew them there immediately. They could have been there whilst ministry workers were still there. Yeah, but they don't. That's not going to happen. I know, but Voldemort doesn't know that. I guess, but maybe, yeah, then that supports the idea that he didn't really, like, pick. Yeah. I don't um, know. There's just, like, a lot of factors at mm-hmm. play here. I don't know. Because at the end of the day, they go and check the fireplace and to all intents and purposes, Sirius is gone. Sirius is yeah. missing. It doesn't matter. But like, I on one hand agree that Hermione made them check. But on the other, I'm like, almost what's the harm in going to the ministry? But then it's very obviously a trap and Voldemort would be there waiting. But to her point, the ministry is full of workers. So if you go there to check, what's the harm? Because workers are going to be there. So you can't be harmed by Voldemort. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I just think that either way, it would have taken them so long to get there. That yeah. The workers um, would have been gone been gone off to the leaky cauldron to have friday bevies bevs bevs hermione says that voldemort is just using harry which like is a very voldemort move and i found interesting because it's what his final move will end up being in book seven like hermione points out that this is what voldemort does he took Ginny because he knew harry would go after him he's, he's done it before with other people and it is his move in book seven he says he will kill the entire school if Harry doesn't come out to the forest. Like, this is Voldemort's signature yeah. move. And because he knows that Harry has a saving thing people thing. thing. Exactly, like, they do understand each other on a really deep yeah. level, Harry and Voldemort. Mm. I mean, I would argue that Harry's got about two brain cells. He's he's not particularly <laughs> difficult to understand. <laughs> Hermione, at this point, has made such a convincing argument and Harry still isn't going for it. And at this point, I feel like it's fully just stubbornness. Like, I feel like he knows she's right but he's just like he would rather out of stubbornness just like march oh, there oh god yeah which like big relate but this is where like ron comes in quite a lot of use because hermione is being incredibly stubborn harry is being incredibly stubborn and ron's just there like let's check and then we'll go like you're both yeah. right i don't know like this is where their, dy- their dynamic really works i guess mm-hmm. harry and hermione are arguing and hermione says this is why you are made to take occlumency and harry says that Dumbledore, maybe Dumbledore made him take occlumency to block out these memories because they're real and he shouldn't be seeing them because they're real. So Dumbledore is the reason that Sirius dies. Like, I know we know this, like, and at the end of the book, Dumbledore admits this. Dumbledore admits it's not Harry's fault, it's his fault. But Dumbledore's miscommunication from the end of book four to now means that Harry is led to believe that he's being taught occlumency by a man he hates because... Mm. What he's seeing is real because he did actually see Mr. Weasley attacked. He has got evidence that what he's seeing is real and therefore he shouldn't be seeing them because it's bad for him. So that's why he's been taught occlumency, not because a false information could be planted, which Mm -hmm. all the adults knew was a risk and no one warned him because Dumbledore wasn't willing to reveal the information that he reveals at the end of... Book seven. Book five. Which is that there's a prophecy and that Voldemort is going to kill Harry. Dumbledore wanted to keep Harry a child. He wanted to keep him safe. We know this. We'll talk about it in so much detail at the end of the book. But like this line here just really upset me because like so much of me does feel like Sirius died because of faults of Harry. But most of those faults from Harry came from miscommunication from Dumbledore and other adults around him. Yeah. Because he's still a child. I know he grows up so much at the end of this book, but he is still a child and he's not being communicated with. Mm. I think it's quite interesting because what we have happened in the next chapter is actually we see this, like, the the young people, <laughs> like, the 
the students yeah. like taking advantage of the fact that adults underestimate them. Yeah. And this is a pattern that I love in a lot of like mm. you know YA and kids book and mm. stuff. Like it's something that's done really really well, really well in the yeah. a series of unfortunate events. Yeah. Where like we just have this reoccurring theme of adults just like underestimating and patronizing children and in the next chapter we get it that they really turn it on its head and like take advantage of it but yeah. here we have it where we see that actually like this is the negative effects of it so it's like this chat well kind of obviously we don't know it yet but like it's kind of building right now for this to be like oh you know this is why you should actually treat young people with respect and as adults and like trust them and not patronize them but then in the literally in the next chapter it's like a thing that is good and that they can take advantage of. Yeah. So we kind of get like both sides of it. Yeah. I think I think we'll obviously talk about it loads in the scene in Dumbledore's office of like the pros and cons of Dumbledore not telling him. But you're right. There's like, there are so many pros to their innocence right now. And not just Harry's innocence to the six that go to the ministry's mm. innocence. Like their innocence ends up saving them in more ways than one. But... The adults sometimes refusal to give them the information that they need is in the end what causes serious there's a lot of factors that cause Sirius to die, and it's a really complicated bit in the books because Sirius also dies because he refuses to treat creature as a human being. He dies because he refuses to see Harry as Harry, not as James. But he also dies because Harry refuses to trust that Sirius is an adult and because Dumbledore refuses to share information with her. It's just, it suddenly gets very, very complicated and it's like no one right answer. Yeah. Then yeah, Ginny and Luna walk in because Harry is screaming his head off and they're like, ah, that sounds like Harry and we go. Yep. Hermione insists on checking if Sirius is at number 12 Grimmel Place, which is a fair point. And she says if he isn't, she'll do whatever it takes to save him. And I feel like in this moment, Hermione is the only one, and this continues into the next chapter or two, Hermione is the only one to actually think through that this could be a trap where they all die. Mm. We'll talk about it in the next chapter, but the way the other three, uh, Ginny, Luna and Neville, just kind of throw themselves into the situation, the way that Harry is so headstrong, I don't feel like that any of them are actually considering that they could die. Hermione, because she's just always thinks 12 steps ahead, knows that this could be a situation that kills them, mm. but she is still like, I will do whatever it takes if Sirius is not at number 12. And this yeah. is like a huge moment for her, mm. I feel like. There's a line in this from Luna that I actually love where Harry is just being typical Harry and snapping at everyone. <laughs> and she's fully just like, Harry, you're being rude. I know. And like... <laughs> you're being very rude right now, I think she mm, says. I love it. I just, I love her so much. I like, I really, I'd like to view her as an autistic character because she's just got that level of like, not bluntness in a bad way, but she just fully just says what she's thinking. Yeah. And I'm like, and also it's like, because I like weirdly like, because I know that everyone ships Neville and Luna, never did. No. I always really shipped Ginny and Neville and then Luna and Harry. Cute. I actually really like Luna and Harry in a lot I, of ways. I think she's good for him. Yeah. And like, and I know that it's like, you can just appreciate that as a friendship, yeah. but no like i think <laughs> yeah i like them to like i don't know and i do like Ginny and harry but they're just like they're just very similar yeah and i think that harry kind of needs that person that 
because obviously he's got Hermione to tell him, but she kind of goes against him in a very like heads on, like aggressive I way. Whereas like, I don't understand anyone that ships Harry and Hermione. Mm. Like, especially now we're doing this closer reading, looking back, I'm like, what the fuck? How yeah. do people ship them together? I once read a post which was like so perfect and everything it said. It's like if Harry and Hermione were together, they'd be that couple at dinner parties when you're an adult having a whispered fight in the kitchen while you're all sitting at the dining table. And I was like, never has anything been more true. Yeah. I don't get people who ship them together. Honestly, madness. Yeah. But I think the difference with Luna is that the way that she kind of tells Harry what he needs to hear and just doesn't put up with his shit is in a very different style to Hermione. Yeah, Ginny tells Harry what he needs to hear and doesn't put up with his shit as well. She does. Which is why Ginny and Luna are such good friends, I think. Yeah, but I just, I don't know, there's something about, I think as well because like, Luna is just so laid back yeah. about everything. It and helps. I think that is a good mix with Harry, who understandably has no chill yeah. whatsoever. I'm actually so glad that Luna and Neville didn't get together because I that know. would have just so completed that secular thing of like everyone in that six getting together. Like, but thank like, you, JK. JK, and you know, obviously not the worst thing that she said since, but she's like since been like, oh no, I do wish that I'd made them get together. No, I think she just said they she could see them having a summer fling. I swear I read that that's all she said. I don't know. I think I read that she was like, oh, I wish that they had gotten together. Um, I think that's why it happens in the film because... Oh, I read an interview where she said she green-lighted them getting together at the end of the film because she sees that they could have dated for like a year, but it wouldn't have worked out. Mm, I don't know. I'm convinced I read that she like regretted that. But yeah, I, I, I don't... And I like I that Luna like ended that. up going out with someone who didn't go to Hogwarts because thank God. Yeah. And Neville got with Hannah Albert and I'm called Hannah. So yeah, Ginny and Luna come in. Hermione insists on checking whether Sirius is there and they make a plan to break into Umbridge's fire so they can check. Yeah. Harry needs- There's a bit when Harry's like, oh, if we can do it right now, like check really quickly, then fine, we can do it. But if it's going to take a while to check, I'm going Harry, how? <laughs> Literally, how are you going? Harry for the whole next two chapters, though. He's like, I'm going. I'm like, how, bitch? How? How? Your mm-hmm. broom is locked up, mate. Yeah. I suppose Ron has a broom and Harry could just take Ron's broom. And I know that Harry is a Gryffindor and he's very headstrong and rash. And I know that he's panicked and not thinking, but like, what the fuck is little old Harry on a broom going to do? Also... I've just realised something. What? If they can break into Umbridge's office to flew their head to Grimmauld Place, why can't they just flew their bodies to the Ministry? I know that Hermione wanted to check whether Sirius had gone and they didn't have much time. I do but know that. But then they could have gone back afterwards. So yeah, why do yeah, they do the Thestrals? Lo- well, yeah, Thestrals, I know Thestrals can fly fast, but it's not as fast as running back up to the school and using the fucking fireplace if Umbridge is gone, is it? No, and also it surely would take Harry hours. was like, if I'm gonna flew my head to Grimmauld Place, I may as well just flew to the Ministry. This is infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they're standing in the forest, like, how? How are we gonna get back up? Uh, just go back to. I suppose they're really deep in the forest. Like they've walked like forty-five no, it's, minutes. It's still into- versus like it. They're in Scotland. I don't care. Like. Even if you fly in a fucking jet, it's still going to take you a long time to get down to London. The flight to Scotland is about 50 minutes to an hour 10. Exactly. And, like, I refuse to believe that Thestrals, they can't be as fast as a jet. 
Because they, how would they get oxygen or anything? Like, <laughs> they're magic! Imagine the fucking G-forces on, like, <laughs> they're magic! <laughs> they, they turn up and it's just like, they look like they've got Botox because their faces are just like... <laughs> Why don't they just go back to Umbridge's office? Like, all it would have taken from J.K. Rowling as well is to throw in a line about, like, when Harry flews his head to Sirius to be like, and he used the last of the powder. Like, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's all it would have taken. It's because she set up the Thestral thing from the beginning of the book, but now I'm fucking irritated because Umbridge's office was open because they just let Umbridge get carried off by centaurs. Yep. Jesus. Oh, I'm so annoyed. I wish I hadn't realised this. I'm, I feel like my be... life is ruined. I'm going to Google it. There must be a reason. There's not going to be a reason. There's really not. So someone's going to give an abortion answer that I don't um... agree with. Like most of Harry Potter read it. Every time I Google something, I'm like, I don't agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> As for why they didn't travel via flu, the easy answer is that they had no idea w- what would have been on the other side. If Sirius were in trouble, they might have arrived in the entrance hall of the Ministry right in the middle of, of a Death Eater invasion. By travelling by stealth, they were afforded the ability to... What? They uh, still to, like had basically to... observe the area before going in. No, no they didn't. They still had to get the fucking telephone box straight into the atrium, which arrives next to the fucking fireplaces. Exactly. What are you going to do? Peer down the telephone box? Like, oh, we've got a five second advantage because I'm doing this in the telephone box. Exactly. Fuck off. No, whoever said that, that doesn't make any sense. And also, it's like. It's not like they had that thought process. They were just like, oh, how can we? And then just like picked the first thing. I guess maybe they were like panicked and just the Thestrals turned up at the right moment and they didn't think but it through. But Hermione is meant to be Miss fucking logic. Like you've just been in an office with flu powder. Be like, let's go back to mm. the flu powder office. Yeah, like I guess it's just what was immediately in front of them. But that just is a bit of an annoying answer. And I would rather JK Rowling thrown in a line about Harry using the last powder. I don't think she realised. I don't think she realised. I think we've just found a plot hole. Yeah. I hate it when we do this. <laughs> So Harry has to go and get his invisibility. Oh, oh, you know why? I mean, you know why it probably is from like her writing point of view why she didn't want them to go via flu is because it would have meant them going back into the into Hogwarts, which would have meant that Snape would have found them yes. and stopped them. Yes. So that's that's the writing reason. Yes. But then why not just say that there was no more powder? Because Snape is gonna come up not until a few chapters time because even though we meet him next chapter we don't know the decision he makes but like Mm. yeah he watches them go into the forest from the window and gets concerned when they don't reappear and that's when he alerts the order so if they had reappeared from the forest he immediately would have grabbed them exactly he was waiting at the window for them to reappear and that's what she didn't want but it's like then there's just so many things that she could have said to explain away like the flu like she even could have like Umbridge could have destroyed, blocked up the fire, thrown the flu powder out the window in a rage. You know, know. she could have done anything, like anything. Anything. Anyway, Harry needs the invisibility cloak for this plan to work. So he runs up to the dormitory. On the way, he runs into Dean and Seamus. They're planning an end of exams party and trying to like sneak alcohol into it, Mm. which made me really sad because... 
Harry is again missing out on something which should be a normal teenager activity. Like, I remember my end of year exam party when I finished GCSE, and you're not 18 when you finish GCSE, so we were sneaking alcohol into it. Can't relate. I was good at two shoes. You didn't go to an end of GCSE's party? Well, I didn't drink. So, I mean, I, d- I wasn't sneaking alcohol into anything. Well, we weren't sneaking. My mum let me, me take stuff. But, yeah, it was, like, this guy who had, like, his parents had a big garden and he rented a portaloo because his parents didn't want us coming into the house. All right, Tory. I know. Well, I said I went to a grammar school and we all brought tents to camp in his garden. And I just remember at like one o'clock in the morning lying on a trampoline with my friend Lucy drinking port because we drunk all the alcohol we could find, we had brought. And then someone just handed us port. Is it like a universal, and I'm aware what I'm about to say is like very middle class, but I feel like it's a universal thing where everyone has that one night, like lying either with a friend or a crush, like on a trampoline at night. Because I did it's, that. It's a definitely a middle class thing because it's people who own trampolines, but yes, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like it's a universal like middle class where it's either oh, yeah. you or someone you know has a trampoline. Oh, yeah. But yeah, like I definitely had a night lying on a trampoline with a crush at least Because once. you would think you could sleep on a trampoline because it's comfy but not for sleeping it's not (laughs) anyway i'm really upset that harry missed out on this vital coming of age party yeah it's like i always get really upset with the amount of like train rides and sortings that he misses i know because you can't they only have seven years at hogwarts obviously they have even less yeah and yeah and like it breaks this bit breaks my heart especially because like this should be a rite of passage for Harry because he's finished the exams and he missed out on so many other things. But yeah. this is the night and like it's very much the theme at the end of the book. Harry goes from a child to a man. This yeah. is the theme of the end of the book. The centaurs bring it up. Like it's meant to be this whole thing. And like I think this is a part of it of him missing out on this mm. on this on this thing, which should be a normal thing for a fifteen year old guy to do, to sneak fire whiskey into a party. I'm just like, yeah, British drink is drinking culture sneaking alcohol in like this is normal. <laughs> Like, let Harry get shit-faced. Shit <laughs> <laughs> get him exactly. off his tits. Exactly. Sneaking out fire with skin. But also, then I started thinking about, so he goes up to his room and he pulls his invisibility cloak from it. From, ah! from his trunk. Ah! My brain was immediately turning this into the Harry Potter TV show, which we all know want mm. and want me and Charlie to produce. Because if I was the producer-director, I would have made it so as he pulls the invisibility cloak out, the parcel from Sirius gets yeah. pulled out the trunk and just like lands on the floor as Harry runs out the door. Yeah. Like, because the, like, stop he... shaying, the shot staying on the parcel as Harry then walks, walks out, out of frame. Like runs out of frame yeah. with the cloak because like he would have had to touch that parcel basically to pull his invisibility cloak out of his trunk. Mm. The thing that would have saved Sirius. It's so annoying that they literally have such a massive conversation about how can we contact Sirius? I know, it makes me feel ill. It makes me feel physically ill, this part of the books. But yeah, like if this is where the beauty of like film TV works better than the book because the book can't Mm. say and Harry's hand brushed against the parcel because the book is set from Harry's thought process Mm. so that wouldn't work. But TV is where you could like make that shot. Of course, they didn't do that in the fucking films, but like... I feel ill with the knowledge that he, like, but might he, have seen that parcel. And he even grabs the knife that was a present from Sirius. And yet it doesn't make that connection in his brain to think, this is not my only present from Sirius. Oh, it, it honestly makes me feel 
this is always my whole life this bit made me feel really ill this whole bit where he doesn't mm. realize about the mirror and then obviously at the end of the book when he does realize about the mirror and throws it like yeah the guilt that he has to live with his entire life Mm. as he should oh so as harry is running back down to umbridge's office he registers his scar is hurting but it's hurting less than when voldemort was punishing avery and this is where i think as the reader not your first bit of doubt because like if you're rereading it if you're doing a close reading i think you might side with hermione more but like as a more casual reader and as harry from the narrator that first seed of doubt is creeping in like Mm. he's saying oh, my scar's hurting less than when Voldemort was torturing Avery. Why? But he, mm. like, pushes it from his mind and it's like, oh, oh, mm. oh, I hate it. I really hate it. Yeah. So Ginny, basically the plan is that Ginny and Luna are going to stand either side of the corridor and tell everyone that there's garroting gas yeah. in the hallway so they can't come down there so that Harry can then break in. And Ginny says that she got the idea because Fred and George were planning on doing it yeah. before they left. And then... When she like stations herself, then a guy comes up, doesn't believe her. And she's like, oh, well, if you'd like to go down, then I'll use your body as proof to the next person that doesn't believe me. Hannah, what the fuck were Fred and George George planning? They were going to release, were they one, going to try and kill Umbridge (laughs) with this gas that apparently kills people? And two, were they willing? Was it unconscious body? Did Ginny mean unconscious body? She's just like body. It which... could be unconscious body. Please let it be unconscious body. I feel like it meant dead body. <laughs> and then were they on top of that? Like, you know, any students that walk past. <laughs> well, garroting does mean like killing someone. Is that right? Yeah. Exactly. They were going to kill Umbridge and like any students that were like in the vicinity. No, it can't be a murdery thing because also no. I is... feel like this is like the classic thing that J.K. does with like Fred and George, where she's like, "Oh, haha, everything's a joke," and then it's like you know their treatment of Dudley. She's like, "Oh, this is supposed to be funny." So I feel like she just doesn't actually. It's like I feel like J.K. Rowling is someone that you never want to play a prank on you because they're <laughs> always gonna. She's always gonna go too far. But this is also where, like, the three unforgivable curses never make sense. Because let's just yeah. say the rotting gas can kill people. Sounds like it can kill, like, 20 people at once. Like, I'm, like also, this is where I think I'm going to, like, start bringing it up a lot more at the end of book six, book seven, where, like, I think that we know from the conscious of the book there are some very horrific spells that aren't Avada Kedavra and do much more horrific injuries Mm. that kill you. Like, it's very obvious that there must be from, like, hints we get in the books. But, like, then why why are there only three unforgivable curses? Apparently there's a gas that can garrot people. (laughs) Oh, it just doesn't make sense. Anyway. anyway, So Fred and George were planning homicide. homicide. Ginny impersonates that homicide to clear the corridor. So Harry manages to get into the office. He flews his head to number 12, shouts for Sirius, but Sirius does not come. Creature appears and Creature says Sirius has gone out. He then says that Sirius will not come back from the Department of Mysteries, which like, fair enough at this point that Harry fully believes that Sirius Mm. has been kidnapped. Like, he has just been given proof, essentially. Like, we learn later that Creature is lying, but why would he think that Creature is lying? Yeah. You know what I also don't get here? It's like, surely it would have been better for Harry to go into the office alone, fully flew into Grimald Place, search it, 
And then on the way back, obviously to check up that Umbridge isn't there, just stick his head in the fire quickly, see that she's not there and then climb out. Or if she's there, then, you know, just wait until she leaves. Like, I don't know, dude, the head thing is just like, you. okay, cool, you've searched one room. Like, yeah, it's, what a if, like it's a big house. It's a big house. Because, yeah, like, creature hears him, but what if he'd just been sat there shouting for ages? Like, I suppose he doesn't want to leave the load of them. But also, like, they could all... Okay, they could all flew there to check and then they're in London within yep. what? Mm-hmm. They could all flew there to check. If Sirius is there, okay, we'll get the night bus back and just hide from Umbridge. She probably won't all notice. flew back. If she, well, they'd have to take enough flu powder and then flew into her office. That probably won't work. But they'll get the night bus no, back. It or the would order work because they can stick the head in, make sure she's not there. If she's there, then you know. Or the order will help them sort yeah. a way to get back. If he's not there, they're in London, so then they can just walk. The half a mile to the it's ministry. Super, it's really convenient. I'm gonna. She needed I'm gonna a way. Bite my own arm off. It, she needed a way for the order to find out, and that was Snape. So she had to get Snape involved. They could just flew to Grimm- gonna You're just trying to eat yourself. <laughs> She's really like weirdly like trying to bite her own arm. Her hair actually. I'm really angry because if they just flew to Grimmauld Place and they could have walked to the ministry. Yep. And then, yeah, Neville wouldn't have been there and the Order wouldn't have found out and we wouldn't have got Umbridge's comeuppance, which we'll talk about in the next chapter. But also, like, I just feel like there's other ways of achieving those goals. You know, it didn't have to happen that way. Could have travelled more logically and had all those other things happen. Like, there's any number of things. Like, they could have left a note in Grimaud Place to say where they'd gone, you know? I'm really angry right now at the plot. <laughs> because mm. I've or, never realised this this only ended my mind as we were yeah. recording <laughs> or literally they could have gone into her office been preparing to go in that's when she could have come in you can then have literally the same chain of events happen only they've not checked on Sirius when they go into the forest mm. they then come out of the forest mm. Snape already knows let's just say that he couldn't catch up with them or something he was masturbating to one of Lily's photos in the dungeon. And then they go to her office and then go through to check on Sirius. But if they go through to check on Sirius, they find out he's there. We have to have a way where Harry doesn't realise yeah. Sirius is there. I know, but it's just like in terms of what the logical plan would be. I hate it. I'm so angry. Mm-hmm. Sirius should have lived. Anyway, Harry is obviously convinced that Sirius has is in the Department of Mysteries, which is fair enough. Umbridge arrives and pulls Harry out of the fireplace and Harry sees Hermione, Ron, Luna, Ginny and Neville who has appeared because he was trying to save Ginny. Again, I ship them. He definitely had a massive crush on Ginny oh, at this yeah. point. Oh my and because there's a whole thing where they go to the dance together. And I I'm know, just and like, then since uh... then he's had a massive crush on her. <laughs> no, I don't. I just like, <laughs> it was like, I feel like no offence to anyone that ships it, but I feel like anyone that ships Luna and Neville do it because they're, like, the spare two. Yeah, I don't think they work together. No, it's like... They the... work together as friends. I think yeah. they are incredible friends. But it's a bit like the only gays in the village where it was like, they were just <laughs> the two left, you know? And the only gay in Everyone the village. Everyone else is coupled up. It's like in Love Island when everyone couples up and there's the two at the end. <laughs> 
No, I really, I see them as like the most incredible friends, but I really don't see them together. But no, I can totally see Neville having the biggest crush on Ginny. Oh my God. Yeah. And I can see her like kind of giving in in a bit of like a got a soft spot for him kind of way. And like, <laughs> I can see him being like really, really like sweet and persistent until she like and it, it's just like Ginny and Harry they're both really like headstrong like I brash do like Harry and Ginny together I, I, I do like I them don't hate it together. but I just like I preferred him and Luna and then Ginny and Neville because I think that like I just I I prefer opposites and I see Neville is this like chill gentle and then like Ginny is just this like fiery brash you know yeah anyway, anyway Neville gets caught up in the whole thing which mm, my heart and they've all been captured and gagged why do you need to gag someone if silencing spells exist like are they physically gagged kinky by the text yes but we they Mm. learned silencing spells in the previous book so like why are we physically gagging people harry lies and is like oh i'm after my fireball and it's like you had your fucking head in the fire. You, why is why is he such <laughs> so a bad dumb. liar? He's so the dumb. amount of lies that he's told at this point, you think he would have gotten good? No. Like he could have said anything. He could have been like, "Oh, like I was trying to check on McGonagall," you know? Like anything. I think Umbridge asks that. He says, "Were you trying to get a message to McGonagall?" And yeah. it's like, "Yeah, but that sure. would have been such a good lie because it was literally the next day he could have been like, "Sorry, I was like trying to speak to You know what? It's lucky that flu power just doesn't have. You know when you can dial your last number?" <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's not like a flu equivalent yeah oh my god he's just given away the position umbridge makes a joke about mcgonagall like of this point of like asking who he was mm. calling and the slytherins all laugh and harry gets super angry like sorry angrier than he has been in this entire portion of the book which is saying something because harry's been very just, angry i and, like this is a really good build-up to book seven because mm. like in some ways when i read book seven in isolation to the rest of the series because we never see McGonagall until Mm -hmm. the end of the book. I sometimes get a bit shocked that the first and only time Harry uses an unforgivable curse. Is it the first and only time? No, he tries to at the end of this book. The first time he uses one and it works. Yeah. The first time he can get it up. Get it up. Mm -hmm. Is to defend McGonagall. And like, I'm sometimes a bit like, ah, okay. But actually, like it's really been laid out really well here because like the anger that rises in him like now when... Umbridge is taking the piss out of McGonagall. I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes! I also just like the Slytherins laughing just does my head in. And I get, I'm aware that these are supposed to be the worst of the worst Slytherins. Like, I am aware. But it's like that thing when it's like, just why are they all so evil? Like, why are they laughing? Because like an old lady that's their like teacher. They're like, proper meant to be an allegory for Hitler youth and just like going along with it. Like, they're yeah, but proper even, meant like, to be. I, even the Hitler Youth, it's like a bunch of children that were like brainwashed into and like forced to. And these kids all have Death Eater parents. They've been brainwashed and forced yeah, into this. But that doesn't mean that they're fucking evil and are going to laugh because their teacher got beat up. Like, I just, it just annoys me. I'm just like, it's just so. I know it's a kid's book, so it's supposed to be like very one dimensional and like the good versus evil, but I'm like, why are they all fucking psychotic? See, see, I think it's quite believable because they're young. Like, when you're young, they're going along with Umbridge, who is the figure that has given them power. Like, these are all people who are searching for power of some kind. Most of them have Death Eater parents, like, at least half mm. of them do it here. And they've been brought up with these like very bigoted, horrible views 
they've never really liked McGonagall and now the person that's given them power is taking the piss out of her and they're laughing along because they want to keep in her good books I think it's I guess more I can... believable because they're children whereas if they were people in their 20s it would be more nuanced of being like why would they laugh along at this yeah I guess I can see it from the angle of like them just kind of going along with her joke but it's still just like it's just one of the many things when I'm just like can you just stop making all Slytherins yeah. evil like just let there be one that's like yo I just like I'm really ambitious but like I want to be a banker I just really really want to do well at banking yeah. and that's my uh, actually why do, why have I said banking that makes you evil <laughs> Like, I'm really ambitious about saving the environment. Or being like, a healer. A lot of doctors are fucking, like... Exactly! Like, like, ambitious but scary people. Because they have to be. And also because they have to have that switch off of emotions. I, I don't know how to tell you this, but Grey's Anatomy is not real I or have, accurate. I have met real doctors. I don't think you have. No, I have met real doctors. I don't think you've ever been to the doctor in your life. I, I have. I, I've met real doctors have you in hospitals and name a doctor name one doctor name one doctor (laughs) not doctor who i was just giving you an example of a career where they might want to name a doctor dr norshaw from my school i I called her miss norshaw and she told me off one go her Mm. two i you took too long i feel like you just made up a name norshaw i couldn't make up norshaw shout out to dr norshaw wonder what she's doing now probably not doctoring because you've made it up don't believe that you've ever met a doctor i've met many doctors anyway umbridge essentially has harry captured she's like forcing his head back with his hair and she sends malfoy to get snape and harry at this point realizes he's fucked up because he's like, oh yeah snape exists uh, snape exists which like fair enough harry fucking despises him so he would forget he was in the school but like this is another horrible like gut punchy moment of being like another way that this situation mm. there's like a hundred ways where sirius didn't need to die like a hundred ways yeah so the reason that umbridge knew that it was a lie was because peeves she'd just been told that peeves was in... smearing ink in the astronomy tower yeah Snape comes in and Umbridge asks him for Veritaserum but Snape doesn't have any which I think is a lie he probably does he's just actually actually trying to save Harry's ass at this point but like how much would he I feel like one bottle of like I don't even know why he had any in the first place in a school he didn't he was giving Harry fake stuff he had been giving Harry fake stuff the whole time we learn that at the end of the book but I think he has some because he has a potions cupboard and he needs it, might need it for the order at some point and that's where he well, fucking lives. The thing is, we do know that he does have some because he used it in the fourth book. Exactly, so he definitely does have some. But like, he gave Harry fake stuff yeah, and he's lying to Umbridge now. Why does he even like have some? It's a school. Because this is where he sleeps and he's an order member and a Death Eater. I just feel like it's a very weird thing to keep in an educational institution. It's where he lives. It's his kind of house. He has a house. We see his house later on. Yeah, but he might need it. Then he can go get it. I think it's perfectly reasonable if it's no. under lock and key. We, at multiple times already in this series, has ha- have had his potion stash broken into. Yeah, he really needs very a better, easily. He needs better spells it than his potion cabinet. It is an irresponsible cabinet. thing to keep in a school. I'm not saying he doesn't need where better spells like, on his potion cabinet. Yeah, it's like, he's like, oh, this is, you know, there's been two times already that it's been broken into. And that's just what we know about from, like, th- this very small friendship group let alone everyone else in the school so like are you seriously telling me that at no point someone would have broken in there bear in mind one of the first 
spells that they learn is fucking Elohimora. Like, are you seriously telling me that no one before has like broken in and be like, you know, what's really funny if I steal some of this Veritaserum and put it in this person I don't like's juice at dinner? Like, I'm sorry. That is the first thing. If I if I went to Hogwarts tomorrow as a student somehow, that is the first thing I would do. Glad to know that you're a good person. I am. I mean, I totally agree with him having it in the school. He needs it under better protection. But he's lying at this point because he does have it in the school. Which is good because, you know, he's actually saving Harry. But Harry tries to give him a code. (laughs) But I just... So Snape is like, oh, like, I gave you Veritaserum the other day, basically. Surely you didn't use all of it. I said three drops. Essentially, she just did the whole bottle when it needed three drops. Yeah, she probably would have killed Harry if it was real Veritaserum. Like, maybe it's not toxic, but it's like, it's how, surely it doesn't, you don't get more truthful when it's... No, it would have killed she him. She just, I, she like... She overdosed him, essentially. Yeah, but, like, well, it might not be toxic in a large volume, but it's not like you're going to get more truthful. But it's like, we really start to see in these chapters, and maybe it's, like, because she's kind of... I mean, she definitely is coming unhinged. I've got a note at some point in the next, like, either this chapter or, or the other one well, that, like, totally she lost needs help. It. No, oh, my God. But, like, I think not only are we seeing that she's slowly becoming unhinged, but she just genuinely is not that bright. No, she's fucking stupid at points. Yeah. yeah. And she's, like, make more. And he's, like, well, it takes a full moon cycle, so... No. See you in a month. And she's, like, okay, you're on probation. She, oh, no, she oh, suspends oh. him. She's like, you're being deliberately unhelpful. And he's <laughs> he's just like, okay. Oh. So yeah, he does, it does come up, yeah, but it happens in a minute. He then continues to then try to teach her, like, the students, even though he's now apparently suspended. Because when he leaves the room, and I, I'm where I'm skipping a little bit ahead, he tells Crab... Oh, yeah, don't strangle he's, him. Yeah, he says, don't suffocate Neville. And he's like, basically, because I'd have to put it in your reference when you leave school <laughs> and it might affect your job if prospects. If you kill another which, child, I'll have to put it on your permanent record. But you're also like, oh, ha-ha. But also... And like, you know, trigger warning here, but it's also like a kind of like, and I feel like it was an accidental, but like an accidental metaphor for the very real thing that happens like in schools when it's like, and just everywhere, universities, work, where it's like positioned that, oh, if this like white guy does something to someone and then... It's that thing when it's like a white man does something, assaults someone, murders someone. And yeah, it's angled as not like, oh, because yeah, that's a bad thing to do and bad for the victim. It's like, oh no, it will ruin your job prospects. And like, you know, this like promising young man, how are you going to ruin his career? And it's like, well, maybe if he didn't, you know, fucking assault people. Like, it's just like, I, I feel like this was just JK Rowling just putting this throwaway line in here. I don't think it was meant to be that deep, but... I think I think it's Snape because at this point Harry has shouted the code at him, and I think it's him like trying to save face. But actually, what it does is tells us how much of a dickhead Snape is because like Snape at this point is like realize what Harry has meant and been like, I need to act cool in front of Umbridge. I need to mm. I need to be the one to sort this situation out. So like the first thing he thinks of to like keep cool is be like, 
please don't kill that student. It'll go on your permanent record. Mm. I think he's just too good at pretending. Like, he has dealt with so many years of having to pretend in front of Voldemort mm. that he's too good at it. And, like, I mean, he but, is a dickhead. Like, there isn't pretending. He only joins no, like, the light side because he has a boner for Harry's mum. No, I know. Like, I know that he's, he's still a dick, but I feel like he says this as a way to kind of cover up and to reassure reiterate in front of Umbridge that he really doesn't care about these students. Yeah. He's being too good at pretending. But saying that is like, I just, I don't know, like, Harry is so dumb. What did he expect? Like, I know, it really, okay, so like, what we've skipped over is Harry shouts at Snape. He's got Padfoot. He's got Padfoot in the place where he's hidden. Which is really smart, by like, the way. Really I would not smart. think of this good no. a code. I would never think to do this. Like, I am really proud of Harry. Like, yeah. And I think, like, it was kind of hinted at when he sent Hagrid that letter in code at the beginning of the book. No, serious that letter in code at the beginning of the book. This is really fucking smart. But then he's angry at Snape and he's like, my last chance has left the room. Mm. What did you want Snape to do in front of Umbridge, Harry? Like, you fucking idiot. Just do a big, like, theatrical wink. Well, I'm like, okay, on one hand, Harry's an idiot because, like, of course Snape was not going to blow his cover in front of Umbridge. But on the other hand, Snape could have done something. Umbridge is He didn't very have to be dis- so convincing. Exactly. Like, Umbridge is very distracted right now. And you say a big theatrical wink. He could have done a tiny wink, a nod, mm. a something that Umbridge... Don't tell me Umbridge would have noticed, like, a tiny little nod. Like, um, Snape could have done something. Yeah, definitely. Um, Something else quite smart that Harry does before this is that he is trying to think of what he's seen in the hopes that Snape will read his mind. Mm, which very I- clever. I know, we have Harry usually being a dumb bitch and especially in like these really like high pressure situations. And actually, like he is literally being so smart. Yes, I did just use my nose for just the pop filter. Um, Like (laughs) he's being actually quite smart in this very small section of this one chapter. But then he can't realise that Snape wouldn't blow his cover. Exactly. He goes from actually having a decent idea to then being a dumb bitch again. And I know it's the panic, but yeah, like putting something in the forefront of his mind because he knows Snape is a legilimens is fucking smart and Snape Mm. probably saw both was doing the legilimens and heard the code. Although I think we do isn't it described normally how like things kind of feel like they're like like a memory feels like it's I swear like no Harry describes it as a gaze that looked like it was x-raying no but I mean in Harry's mind that he normally kind of sees what only when Snape Snape is is forming active legilimens with the spell this is where there's a weird difference between the active legilimens with the spell and the innate legilimens with just Mm. the x-ray vision x-ray vision that's what i'm gonna call it snape Snape says because harry shouts his code and he's like if i wanted nonsense shouting at me i'd give you a babbling beverage a babbling that's what we take before the podcast that's what we take before the podcast can we make a babbling beverage and drink it on an episode please we can do that the next one if you want and whatever it is it's got to be really high alcohol Okay, we can either do it on the next one and just make it up ourselves or we could ask everyone to tweet us what they think is in a babbling beverage and do it 2022. I think let's do it in the next episode. Whatever it is, it's got to be very strong to make us babble. You just complained at the vodka orange I made you that it was too strong. I just like whinging. Okay, we're going to make a babbling beverage. um, We should also do a tweet. Okay, we're going to make it the next episode, but then yeah, also tweet us what do you think is in a babbling beverage? Mm Mm-hmm tell us snape leaves and umbridge goes from i'd say i want not naught to 100 because she was sitting at a strong 60 anyway but she's like 69 
I'm going to cruciatus you, 15-year-old child. Because at this point she could call fudge in and she could call the ministry in. But power has really gone to her head and she's like, I'm going to sort this myself because then Fudge will be proud of me because I will have got all the information by myself. I mean, Hannah, they do say in your career that you should bring um, solutions, not problems. They do say that. And she has the solution to cruciatus the information out of Harry. Hermione is screaming her fucking head off that this is... Like, no one else is screaming. Hermione's just Everyone like, else is fine with it. They're like, okay. <laughs> They're like, like, you know oh. what? <laughs> Harry can be a moody dickhead. Yeah, see how he copes <laughs> with it. And this is where we get a really big reveal, actually. Dun, dun, dun. dun. That is... I wrote that. Dun, dun, dun. The Umbridge ordered the Dementor attack. This is a great reveal because I feel like the whole book, you think this is going to lead up to it being whoever the big bad is. Yeah. Like, it's going to be someone on Voldemort's side. And it turns out it's Umbridge. And it's a really horrible, disgusting thing where Umbridge will break both rules and laws when it suits her and her narrative mm-hmm. and what she wants to achieve and the ministry agenda that she's trying to keep to. But she then uses rules and law against other people, not only the existing rules and law, but invents new rules and laws in her advantage to punish and bring down other people. Like, she is so bigoted and like disgusting and uses she doesn't believe the law applies to her she thinks it's hers to use manipulate and break to her own ends but like something that's never really explored is like what the fuck are her ends she doesn't want ultimate power she wants approval she's not someone that wants to be in charge so what the fuck are her ends well like these this is like part of the thing where i'm like bitch needs help like she is like fully unhinged at this point but this what this reveals is it is not that she's just unhinged in this moment of like kind of talking to herself, trying to justify using Crucio on Harry, but that actually this has been going on since she ever like before she ever met Harry way back in the summer, and it's like I I like because I was trying to think this like why like why back in the summer, and it's like yes I do think that she likes power, and I don't know because maybe what I'm about to say is like really really sexist because you know she's a female character so she's allowed to just want like power for herself but I'm like part of me is like is she in love with fudge like I hate to be like oh she's a female I, character so see, the motivation but, must be love as opposed to power but like she but it's seems power like weirdly approval. she yeah. seems weirdly obsessed with fudge and wanting fudge to succeed like it's not that she she does enjoy the power that she has at Hogwarts but, but it's she the seems to the enjoy it because she it lets her help Fudge. Like yeah. Everything that she does is done through this lens of how she can help Fudge's agenda and like what she can do for him and stuff. Yeah, and it's I'm never like, like when I take power, when I'm in charge, it's yeah, it's I all about senior undersecretary. I'm like, to is fudge. she in love with Fudge? I don't think it's love. I think it's a form of power where she does need. A leader and someone else's agenda to work behind and someone else's rules and structure to work behind. She doesn't have the vision of Voldemort of being like, I want a new world. Mm. She has this thing of like, maybe it's I want to keep it how it is. We know she's a bigot. We know she hates half-breeds. It's almost like there's people who are like, bring back, make America great again. Bring back Britain in the 1940s. Blitz spirit. Like, bring it back how it was. She almost has like that, but like not to the point where she wants to hold the power, where she wants to uphold someone who she knows will do that and she wants to be behind them but it's really bizarre i just feel like it's just a whole other level though that way back in the summer 
she was orchestrating this kind of thing of like breaking the law to get Dementors to attack a literal child that she's never met. Mm. It feels like that goes so much more beyond just her wanting someone else to succeed to then further her own agenda. Well, Don't get me wrong, that, like, I know that hate is a really was... powerful emotion. Yeah. But I'm like, I don't know, to me, I'm like, I I just kind of have a personal headcanon that she's in love with Fudge because I think it's like that coupled with the power thing because I just don't see No, but how... she carries on being evil at the Ministry after Fudge is Oh, fired. don't get me wrong. Like, I don't think she's only evil because she's in love with Fudge. Like, I think she's an evil piece of work, but I mm. think that that's the only thing that I think to me explains why how early on in the summer she was that obsessed with, like, doing this. Like, that was before it became, like, personal her and Harry. That was just, like, she'd literally never met him. Yeah, I'm not sure I agree that she's in love with Fudge. Necessarily. I do really see it. Like, I really see it. And I'm not even sure, like, what I'm trying to, like, articulate because I don't think I understand it. It's just the fact that in book seven, she's still upholding and being cruel to people in a system that is different from the one Fudge was doing. So Fudge Fudge is replaced and then he's overthrown by a puppet minister. And then they're clearly doing Death Eater's work. They're throwing Muggleborns in prison without trial. And Umbridge is the one overseeing that. And again, it's not her regime and her idea because Fudge was never against Muggleborns. This has got nothing to do with Fudge's ideals. So she switched ideals now to still have a position of evil power. It's mm. almost just like keeping herself in a position where she gets to carry out twisted acts. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying that my theory makes the most sense. It's just my own personal headcanon that I quite like. Yeah, no, I like it. I definitely like it. Even though like I do it. think there's a layer of sexism to it, but you know. No, I definitely like it. I think it's good that we're struggling to understand her motives because, like, you shouldn't understand everyone's motives and she's just a twisted... Pa- and this is why also she's, she's like, named as, like, one of the most, like, well-written evil characters ever and, like, definitely more well-written than Voldemort is because... Mm. She has these levels of nuance and she's much more realistic than Voldemort. Yeah. Fucking horrific. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just wrote, like, her worldview is so twisted. Hermione is the only one in the room to act. So takes charge, bursts into fake tears and says, like, screams that they have to tell Umbridge what's going on. And Ron and Ginny can't tell that she's faking the tears and are like... I'm like, you idiots. Hermione lies and says they were trying to contact Dumbledore to tell him that the weapon is ready. And like, it is so obviously bullshit. And this is how unhinged Umbridge is because she falls for it so easily. Like she has this agenda in her mind. She has this idea that Fudge has given her that Dumbledore is building an army because like, it's really clear that this is utter bullshit. What do you mean a weapon? You're building a weapon? Like, what are you talking about, Hermione? And then they're like, we don't know how it works. And it's like, well, what does it look like? Just... What is it, a big cannon? Like, And also, like, and what, then she's like, what is I a hope, magical weapon? I hope people use it against you. What is it, a big catapult? Like, fuck off. Yeah. She's doing a really good job, but it's so obvious it's bullshit. Like, good for her for taking action, Mm. doing something. Harry was not going to do anything. Harry was going to let himself be cruciatus. Like, he probably would have not told the information still because it's Harry and he's, like, strong of mind. But still. Yeah. But this is when Hermione starts to, like, really use the fact that Umbridge is an adult that just, like, completely 
doesn't respect children, like looks down on them, thinks that they're like not that capable or intelligent because she's like, oh yeah, we were trying to speak to Dumbledore. We looked in the leaky cauldron. And it's like, that is such like an obvious lie. Yeah. Because it's just so dumb. And it's like, Umbridge knows that Hermione is very intelligent and very capable oh my in school. God, and, yeah. and whilst, yes, there's different t- kinds of intelligence, like, she just knows, she knows from the way that Hermione has, like, stood, like, showed her up in classes by reading the entire book, she knows that she is a very, like, logical kind of intelligent as well as being book smart. So it's like, why does Umbridge believe that Hermione would have been so dumb to think that Dumbledore would be in the leaky cauldron? This is such an obvious lie. And the only reason that Umbridge believes it is because she's just like, oh, this is a child and children are stupid. Yeah, yeah. A hundred percent. And I think almost Hermione is banking on that. Oh no, Hermione, she is. She, knows yeah, she's she is very tactically, like, using her youth to her advantage. And she's using crying to her advantages. Yeah. She's actually almost playing Umbridge at her... Umbridge's, and we'll talk about this a lot, I think in the next chapter, and we've talked about it in previous chapters, of Umbridge weaponizes her femininity. Mm-hmm. And Hermione is almost learning off her. She's weaponizing her femininity. Mm-hmm. She knows that crying makes her seem youthful, vulnerable, and feminine. And she's using that to her advantage. Yeah. She's like, if I cry, this woman will believe me. If I think, if she thinks I'm breaking down and revealing what Harry won't because I'm weak, she'll yeah. fall for it. Hermione has learnt from Umbridge about basically weaponizing yeah. female this traits. Is, this is a pattern of behaviour for Hermione as well. We know that Hermione learns from her enemies. Yeah. She copied the um, dark mark magic from Voldemort to yeah. use on the coins for the DA. Like, she Hermione's is very, very good at learning from the opposite side. Hermione's fucking terrifying. She really is. We'll talk about it in the next chapter, I, I think. step on me. Just go her, because Ron, Ginny, Luna and Neville are just sitting there in an action like, oh, Harry's about to get cruciated. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> Umbridge just also isn't intelligent, because then she, like wants her little Slytherin bitches to come with to see the weapon and Hermione's like oh don't do that um they'll use they'll it use it against you and Umbridge is like just be- just doesn't see through it even though it's so fucking obvious like Umbridge just well, no, at this point like, is not smart terribly reverse psychology so yeah. she's like go on then bring them I want exactly. them to see and Umbridge's like okay but I it's won't so transparent <laughs> like Umbridge is just uh, like not very intelligent no. and I do get that she's also just crazed at this point but like she just is just not no. intelligent no and that's the end of the chapter Hermione leads Harry and Umbridge off and that's what we're gonna pick up next. it's actually a very like we've talked for an hour and 20 but it was like quite a short chapter in terms of like it's sat over essentially half an hour yeah like it's it's the, there's no time jumps it's like this 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 yeah. Ooh, it's getting exciting. We have a question. Okay, the question comes from Layla, who requested the screwdriver alcohol. Layla is a counsellor, by the way. And she asks, how do you think she who must not be named, meaning the author of this book series, could have incorporated counselling and therapy into the books? Let's face it, all of the characters need some serious, 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 same thing, haha, therapy. They literally just need a counsellor in the school (laughs) (laughs) at the bare fucking minimum yeah that is the thing that is needed it's a counsellor in the school or a therapist in the school like a medical witch but like i don't know about schools nowadays but we didn't have a counsellor or a therapist in our school we had a nurse no but also like hogwarts 
operates much more like a like boarding. small like private school. Yeah, and I think boarding schools do have counsellors and therapists. I don't know, maybe they do. Not from the one I worked in. Oh. Um, <laughs> but it should. <laughs> oh, yeah, it definitely should. And, like... It's also... It's I would like, like to see it incorporated into the adults we see somehow, and the most obvious one is with Sirius, but that's more difficult because he's in hiding. Like, if he had been revealed to be innocent, I would have liked a storyline where, obviously, he's given counselling for the fact he was locked up in Azkaban for such a long age from a crime he didn't do la 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 but that's difficult to show when they can't reveal to anyone apart from those they absolutely trust mm. that he's alive so mm. yeah I also think that whilst like yeah our high schools didn't have counsellors we also weren't having like dozens of students okay not dozens of students die yeah I mean maybe with the fucking staircases, staircases death but, quotas yeah <laughs> But they go through so much. Like, they literally have Voldemort, like, breaking in at the end of every fucking school year. Like, they go through so much that it's, like, maybe it's not, like, a permanent fixture, although definitely for Harry it should have been. But, like, it should have been brought in, like, after Cedric's death, like, they should have had, like, a counsellor on hand. Yes, but also, like, this isn't just, like, oh, it doesn't matter that Hogwarts doesn't do it because, you know, schools don't do it in general. Schools should have a counsellor, even if they can't, like afford a permanent one which might be fair enough there should be a counsellor shared between like five local schools and they do Mm. one day a week in each school for god's sake like it's absolutely ridiculous when i think about because like i just watched season three of sex education and obviously like sex education is like over drama not over dramatized but dramatized in a lot of ways and like a, a, a lot of dramatic things happen in it but then when i was like thinking through all the plot lines that happen in sex education and i was like this is happening over like a year and a half i was like I knew something like this that happened to different people in my sixth form. Mm. Like, everything like that. People, all of the awful and good things Mm. people go through in school because it's human beings and awful and horrible things are happening to human beings and it's mad that we don't provide help for people at this, like, key life stage. Yeah. While they're in school. Mm. (laughs) And also, like, with Hogwarts... You have a certain percentage of the year group that are muggle-borns yeah. that have suddenly been thrown into, like, within a few months or weeks, finding out that they're magical and then getting torn away from their parents and just completely entering a different society. Yeah. And they're just expected to just get on with it. And, like, as we see in Hermione, like, we've debated this, but, like, this clearly affects her relationship with her parents. Yeah. And it must be, like, really lonely and really isolating. And it's like, they need therapy to help them through this. Yeah, 100%. Just like I deal with it. Like, more more therapy, please. I know. The thing is, like, J.K. Rowling couldn't have put it in the books because, unfortunately, the lack of therapy is a plot point, especially in book five. Like, Harry's inability to cope with situations Mm. is a plot point in this book. Sirius is inability to cope with situations is a plot point so like you can't have therapists for the plot of harry potter to work the same way you can't have therapists in most wide enough like the hunger games doesn't work if katniss had had a fucking therapist twilight doesn't work if someone had been like don't date this 100 year old man I feel like Bella was beyond therapy from the get-go. <laughs> no YA works if therapists exist. That doesn't mean teenagers don't need therapy. It's yeah. my conclusion. Sorry, I was just thinking what <laughs> plots from my life wouldn't have happened had I had don't therapy Don't go down earlier. that route. Don't go down that route. I thank you for listening to this episode. <laughs>
anyway this was good pick up in the next episode thank you Layla that was um, a good question also yeah Layla is a counsellor and thank you Layla for all the amazing work you do you're a she said that um, listening to the podcast really helps her after work and things and um, yeah good for you for doing such incredible work (laughs) thank you for listening to us be weird (laughs) bye yeah bye Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To find us on social media, search at Goblet of Wine Pod on Twitter or at Goblet of Wine Podcast on Instagram. We also have a website over at www.gobletofwine.co.uk where you can keep up with everything that we do. This podcast is produced by our wonderful Hufflepuff tier patrons Samuel, Ronan, Matt, Lewis, Layla, Catherine, Hannah, Amelie, and Alexia. If you'd like to support this podcast, check out our Goblet of Wine Patreon, where you can also gain access to bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes content, and our Discord. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye!